Erev Tov, tonight we'll be doing the introduction of Rabbeinu Avraham ben HaRambam, the son of the famous Rambam, to Agadot Chazal, otherwise known as the Ma'amar, the essay, Al Drashot Chazal, on the Agadah, or the Drashot of our rabbis of Chazal. It's actually interesting that this introduction is found by someone in Arabic, translated into Hebrew, and the edition that we have in front of us is a compilation of a number of different editions that I could get my hand on. Obviously, there are very authoritative editions, for example, that of Rav Shilat and others, uh, but what was available to me to put into a document for you uh, were the ones that I could find online, and that's what I shared here in a document. I did the best that I could to uh, italicize anything that comes from the Torah, like Psukim, to bold and italicize anything that comes from the Chachamim, so any sayings from the Gemara, and to reformat this in such a way that you could look at it and read it and try to understand. Otherwise, it's printed in one long run-on sentence uh, in most editions of the writings of Obeno Abba This letter is under much scrutiny because there are things that are said in here that led many Chachamim to say, how could it be that somebody as holy and as famous as Rabbeinu Avraham ben Harambam could say such a thing? And I think that anybody who could say such a thing about Rabbeinu Avraham ben Harambam is unfamiliar with him and with the teachings of his father, the Rambam. In fact, this letter is so unbelievable. If you would see how many times, and I bolded those words for you, where he quotes, Avi Mori, Abba Mori, my father, my father, my father, my teacher, my father, my teacher. Throughout this essay, Rabbeinu Avraham ben Harambam is telling us these are things that I learned from my father. These didn't come from nowhere. These weren't born in my heart. Who else can you say, hey, I heard my dad say, who's your dad? The Rambam. The Rambam. Rabbeinu Avraham has a very special place in my heart, in the heart of all of us here who studied in the Bede Knesset. Uh, we uh, covered, almost cover to cover, Hamaspikla of the Hashem, the guide to serving God, the Hebrew version of the Arabic, of uh, Rabbeinu Avraham ben Arambam. Rabbeinu Avraham ben Arambam, we have classes online of a biographical sketch of him, uh, tonight, that's not my intention to deal with his life, but rather to deal with this essay. In fact, one of the hardest pieces here, the most delightful in my opinion, but for other people who are not such Rambam fans, to stomach is going to be the beginning of the Hakdama, the introduction of Rabbeinu Avraham ben Rambam. From there, it's just a slippery slope downwards. But if you recall the words of the Rambam, which he ended off with us last week, and he said, if you are from the first two camps, don't hurt yourself. Don't damage yourself by studying my writings. My writings will only cause you suffering and anguish and anxiety. He says, instead, ignore them and it'll do much good for your soul. But if you're from the third camp, there's no way that you can live without these writings. And I'm continuing forward into the writings of Rabbeinu Avraham with the assumption that everyone that is studying with us belongs to the first three camps. Uh, the, first, uh, the last of the three camps. Before what you have in your paper... There's a normally printed a little paragraph from the translator, it seems, who translated this from Arabic into Hebrew. I'm not familiar with an Arabic original, but with, rather with the Hebrew. And he says, He said, before we deal with any Yaakov and Agadot, I wish to explain some of the words, Drashot, you hear Drash, Maasim, stories, and Agadot, parables. And he goes and explains each one, but for me it's not necessary to do this introduction. That's why it's not on your page. Rather, I wish to start with the words of Rabbeinu Avraham ben Harambam himself. <clears throat> da, we're on the top right of page one. Da, you should know. That everything that is found in the Talmud and in other writings of our Chachamim, Zichonam Livrachav, Blessed Memory, Balei Midrashot Vamasiot, the authors of the Midrashim and the Maasim. Let's say just for now we're going to make a weak difference between the two. A Midrash is going to be anything that elaborates on a Pasuk, on a verse in the Tanakh that gives extra rabbinic insight into it. A Maaseh will be stories that happen with the rabbis, parables, not necessarily connected to biblical verses, but that happen among the Chachamim as Agadot. Or the Chachamim say, once there was a story that, or Rabbi this was walking with Rabbi that, those are going to fall into the category of Maasim. Divrei ha-psukim ha-nimtsayim biyadeinu atam me'atim ve'neelamim me'ne kol ha'ogim ba-talmud. 
He said most of these writings that we have, the rabbis who otherwise charted these territories for us, the poskim, the chachamim, the authors of books of halakha, they left this stone unturned. What does he say in the end? They didn't send their hand towards it. This is an allusion to a pasuk. Don't extend your hand to hurt the child. Meaning they didn't even touch these agadot. And like I told you before, I recall in Yeshiva how often my rabbis, if they would read the Agadot, they would just run through them and barely translate them. And if they would have the opportunity to skip it, they would always take that. They would just skip. Okay, on the next page, let's not read this Agadah. It's all Agadah. Some of them though, their nefesh, their soul never even reached these secrets, meaning they didn't try, they didn't attempt to enter into the spiritual realm, which is the realm of Agadot. And my father and my teacher of blessed memory, he considered writing a book to explain the Agadot. If you look in the beginning of the Rambam's introduction to the commentary in the Mishnah, he mentions that he has a desire to explain the Agadot. And at the end, he strayed from that. You remember the Rambam that we did last week or two weeks ago where the Rambam says, don't worry, trust me, I will walk you through these Agadot. I will explain them to you. And then we don't find that the Rambam did it. Says Rabbeinu Avraham, Moshe migeshet enav. This is a play on words from a Pasuk in Shemot. Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid to come towards it. Meaning Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe the Rambam, was afraid to touch this matter. Like he mentions in his introduction or in the beginning to the Moray Nebuchim. So you have to imagine that we're talking about something that people of the Seder Godel, of the magnitude of the Rambam, were afraid to get involved in or to write authoritative commentaries on. You see, a halacha in Yichot Sukkah, Yichot Lulav, Yichot Chametz, Yichot Pesach, Yichot Kashrut, Yichot Shabbat, Yichot Isur Veheter, Yichot Tarat HaMishpacha, Yichot Ketubot, Yichot Kiddushin, all of those halachot, they're open doors for us. We know how to draw the lines, we know where we start, we know where we end, we know how to be posek halachot. When it comes to agadot, it's gray area. Nobody's blazed this trail. Nobody has ventured off into this in an authoritative manner. I might add that even if there are authoritative interpretations of agadot, they come in bits and pieces. Or more than that, they're not consistent. It's not a running commentary in Agadah. Even those who attempted running commentaries on Agadot left behind only a few volumes of works on those Agadot. Like, none other than any Yaakov or Yaakov ben Chabiv, who left us with only the beginning of the Agadah and let other people continue that work. Who knows? Maybe we're crazy. <laughs> Maybe we're attempting something that we shouldn't. But let's try. Vani and I, says Rabbi Ravaham, after he passed away, after his father passed away, I tried a little bit to attempt to explain the matters of Agada. And I didn't deviate. Because I was involved with the compilation of this book. He said, from the beginning I saw that there's great need. There's great purpose in authoring such a work. Nonetheless, I'm going to awaken your heart and your mind, your rayoncha. This is a little different than intelligence. And I know I shouldn't analyze a text translated from Arabic to Hebrew. Rayoncha is more than intelligence, it's your imagination. I wish to turn on your imagination, your creative thinking skills. And you open your eyes to the path of the way that the Chachamim spoke in their drashot. And when you understand their way, you will be able to interpret properly the things they said. And it will be for you, translate loosely, it will be for you a guide. You will be for me my mouth. And this will save you from mocking the words of Rachachami. Remember the Ramam said there was a second category of people who say, that's what the rabbis say, the rabbis are crazy. And this, if you understand the way Chachamim think, it'll stop you from mocking their words. 
to reach a level where you say, I don't believe in the words of Chachamim. Because the nonsensical ideas the Chachamim shared, I just can't wrap my head around. I wish to save you from another mistake. That you might think that the stories that happened with the Chachamim are like the stories of the miracles that happened to the prophets. And you might then think that uh, every Chacham and every Chassid, every righteous person, every Torah scholar can do miracles. How much do we have this problem in our generation? Someone said, what do you mean? You don't believe that X, Y, and Z? Eliezer, Ebed, Avaham could travel across the world. You don't believe this one could? What I believe about Eliezer, Ebed, Avaham, I can't believe about somebody who lives in New York. What do you want from me? Not everyone is created equally. How much do our rabbis discuss this? You remember the famous teaching of our Chachamim, what the maidservant saw and the sea, the splitting of the sea, Yechezkel, the son of Buzi, didn't see it. There are different levels, varying levels of miracles, varying levels of stories. People make a mistake. Moshe Rabbeinu, and then there's the Chachamim, and then there's uh, my rabbi. That person has to be intelligent. You might think there's no difference between the splitting of the sea from Moshe Rabbeinu and those who left Egypt. And the, the story with the Yarden, with Elisha and Eliyahu, or anything else like that. Say, so I wish to save you from either mocking the words of Chachamim, from rejecting the words of Chachamim, or even at the very least from believing in the words of Chachamim, but believing them very superficially. And I think that this is almost copy and paste from Rabbeinu HaRambam. This is the son of the Rambam. This is the, the prime disciple of the Rambam. If you look, if you look at the words, we have very few words that the Rambam wrote about his son. But the way he writes about them is, this is my comfort. This is my, my, my comfort in my life that I have a son like Rabbeinu HaRambam. Already from a young age, he says, it was recognized about him that he would be a great man. Rabbeinu HaRambam is saying, there are people who mock the words of Chachamim. There are people who reject the words of Chachamim. And there are people who make a mockery of the words of Chachamim by accepting them in such a way that will cause other people to reject them. And that is what Rabbeinu Avraham is trying to set out to save us from. And all this is inevitable. If you accept these drashot, that's the way, that's what it says. What do you want from me? That's what it says in the book. Or at the very least, if you stick to the literal interpretation at first glance, a superficial understanding of the Midrashim there in front of you. Is it would be enough proof for me to show you one situation in which there are deeper matters under the surface, in the words of Chachamim, than what it seems like. I mean, all I have to do is show you that Chachamim said something that you may interpret to be at face value, and I'll show you that behind it, there's a whole other universe, and that's enough to show you that the words of Chachamim are not intended to be taken literally. And how much more so what my father and teacher, the Rambam, explains in his work. Then I wish, I would have had enough, I did enough. Already I would explain to you one Nagada, my father's works come on their own, there's no more reason for me to speak. Is it rather, the only reason I do it is my desire, my goal, I yearn to set you straight, to help you understand the Ma'asim. And also the mashalim, I'm going to riddle for you in this uh, paragraph all the different ways to understand the words of Chachamim. And therefore I feel it appropriate that I should explain to you the things I'm about to explain to you in my introduction. There's a few things you see here. One is Rabbeinu Abraham is being excessively humble. I mean, what can I come to add that wasn't already added? You'll see the things that Rabbeinu Abraham adds Thank God he added them, because if not, we would never have them. Two, it's my opinion that this essay could be a book in its own right. 
If somebody were to follow through this essay and the examples and the categories that Rabbeinu Abraham sets out for us, he could write an entire, maybe even a series of books on Agadah. And that's my desire, that as we learn, we learn with a proper mindset to take apart any piece of Chachamim that comes before us the way Rabbeinu Abraham would have taken them apart. Second, I think that often when a person comes to write something that other people didn't deal with, there's a certain level of modesty that is required. No one else before me felt that it was necessary. Or people who came before me felt that this was something that they wouldn't write about. It's too risky. So I must justify why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing. There's a famous introduction to Awata Teshuvah, the book on Teshuvah by Rabbi Avraham Mitzchak HaKohen Kuk. I quoted this piece in my introduction to Yishalom. I was dealing with on a very lower scale. How could I write a book in Yichot Pesach when so many people have already written books in Yichot Pesach? Rabbeinu, Avraham and Aramam is having similar feelings. Rav Kuk writes, who am I to come along and say, you know what, I'm going to write books about tshuva. Already Chachamim wrote books about tshuva. What can I add that they didn't add? Rav Kuk comes to the conclusion that there are a few things. The first is there are books that were written, but they were written for a different spirit, for a different time, for a different generation. Not the Torah changes. People change. They understand things differently. Just today I was speaking to Tamich Chacham, who I respect dearly. He said, you know, when you look at different translations of the Rambam, it's not that there's a problem with the translation. It's that certain words evolve in our language. So there's the written word of the Rambam, then there's the translation that someone translated a few hundred years ago. Today though, in our modern spoken or written Hebrew, those words mean something else. And therefore, it's not that the previous translation is null and void. It's that if we are to read the translation, we will reach a mistaken understanding of the writings of the Rambam himself. And therefore the translation must be updated. Says Rav Kuk, the understanding of tshuva is always tshuva. But it needs to be repackaged in a language, in a way that the people of this generation can understand. He then mentioned something else, that there's an inner dachaf, an inner push. All day and all night his mind is racing with ideas of teshuva. What can he do? A prophet is not allowed to hold back his prophecy. The person who feels the urge to give to the world can't hold back from the world. And therefore he says, I'm offering my words. If not to satisfy you, then to satisfy my inner feeling that I must give. And I think that ties in with the Rambam that we studied previously. There are going to come points in this journey of Agadah where you say, I don't know, I'm stuck on this piece. What am I supposed to do? And to remember what Rambam said. Stop and pray. Stop and ask HaKadosh Baruch Gal and I uncover my eyes. Not open my eyes. My eyes are open. But Gal and I uncover whatever is stopping me from understanding the words of Chachamim. And let me, let me see the wonders of your Torah. To pray. It's very rare that people when they're studying Torah also indulge in prayer. There's so many people that have this uh, argument, this dichotomy. Is tefillah more important than Torah? Is Torah more important than tefillah? You had in Europe wars between Hasidim and Mitnagdim. What's more important, Torah or tefillah? And ultimately, why not have both? Even in your limud Torah, you can have emunah HaKadosh To believe, HaKadosh I need help. In order not to make a mockery of the words of Chachamim, in order not to interpret them incorrectly, even literally or superficially, in order so that no one shall hear what I say and reject the words of the Chachamim, allow me, Gal and I, uncover my eyes. and I will see and let others see niflaot mitoratecha, the wonders of your Torah. Let's take an introduction from the top on the left side of page one and where it says Hagdama. I already made a baracha. Introduction. If you could get a million dollars for this sentence, you should, because it's worth it. Don't believe in something just because of the person who said it. You know, so much of what we struggle with in contemporary Judaism could be answered with this paragraph. But before I get carried away with my own commentaries, let's let's look inside. Da, you should know, says Rabbi Avraham. That you must know. By the way, I don't know if these subtitles were actually made 
by Rabbeinu Avraham himself, they were added by an editor. So let's assume that the word starts with Da is where Rabbeinu Avraham begins. Da, you must know. You must certainly know. Anybody who wishes to establish a, a fact. And to show favoritism to the one who said it. If anybody wishes to propose an idea, put forward a theory, an opinion, and they wish for you to accept it without iyun, without any intellectual, critical thinking skills, Regarding that matter, if it's true or not, you should know this is one of the most evil character traits. And it is forbidden from us both by way of Torah, and it's prohibited for us to do this and by way of intellect as well. If someone says, I said something, accept it to be true. Or, you have to accept it because this rabbi said, or this chacham said, or this philosopher said, or this doctor said, or this, and you say, but I want to understand. Don't understand. Turn off your brain. Just turn it off. Says Rabbi Noavam and Rambam, it's forbidden for a Jewish person to act this way. And also for an un-Jewish person. Hare for a Jewish person is forbidden according to the Torah. But even according to the rules of logic, it's forbidden for a person to act in such a way that they blindly accept facts, or knowledge, or information, or opinions from people, not because they analyze the topic or the opinion or the thought that was said, but because they are respecting the person who said it. And once I was with Arab parents. You know, these days have given me a little bit of a different way of studying Torah, and I find myself less studying Torah with my Talmudim and more studying Torah with myself and the books of my rabbis. And I've been spending more time, whether over the phone with the Raperetz or in person, learning his books. And when I remember those days, I was once talking to Raperetz about something. I'll tell you the matter actually was about going up to Harabite, going up to the Temple Mount. I said, Arab, are we allowed to go up to the Temple Mount? He said, of course. I said, you know, there are big rabbis who say, he said, you always make this mistake. He said, don't ever forget that great rabbis can make great mistakes. I said, okay, Harab. Have you been up to Harabait? This was many years ago. I'm talking over 10 years ago. He says, until today? No. I said, why not? So I don't want to go. He said, I'm not Moshe Rabbeinu. You don't listen to me just because of what I do or don't do. You must go, sit down with the books that discuss these matters, and learn the halachot properly. And the conclusion that you reach, you must follow. That's what I wish to create. Not followers. I don't need followers. Then the other night we were studying here the brains of Rabbi Yosef Kapach. And the famous video where he says, I don't have students. I don't have students. I learn to out people. And I teach people to think for themselves. But Talmidim, I don't have. Chassidim, I don't have. Someone wrote to me an email. I'm such a fan of yours. And I said, please don't be a fan of me. Baruch Hashem. Just be a fan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The whole goal, my whole desire, is that people should learn Torah and they should say, I believe in HaKadosh Baruch I believe in Torah Moshe Rabbeinu. I believe in the words of Chachamim. That we should be the reason why people believe in HaKadosh Baruch It's intellectually inappropriate to believe in something because of who said it alone. Because this takes away your critical thinking skills. You must learn how to analyze things appropriately. You end up believing the way of truth and the way of straightforwardness. Because someone said something, you're going to give up what's true. Because someone told you something, so you're going to get rid of your dad that tells you it can't be so. You shall not show favoritism towards the poor, and you shall not show favoritism towards he who is great, 
when a judge is sitting on a din, it doesn't make a difference who are the two people in front of him. It's a poor person and a wealthy person. It's a person of no stature and a person of tremendous stature that your job might be in their hands. At the end of the day, you must do your job. You must judge with righteousness. Even if it's the last thing you do. I once had a friend who taught me a very wise lesson. So you know, if someone is really your friend and you really need to tell them something and you know that by telling them something you'll risk your friendship with them, a real friend is worth risking his friendship to say the things that need to be said for his friend. Yeah, you know, I have something I need to tell you. We need to talk about something. I feel like I'm the only person in the world who can tell you this because everybody else is dancing around you. Everybody else is just telling you, yeah, yeah, you're right, they're ruining you on. I'm telling you what you're getting yourself involved in is bad for you. It's hurtful to you. It's dangerous to you. And even if that means that you will never speak to me again, that's the kind of friend that I am. That's the kind of friend I want to be for you. Even if not so old, I've had this happen to me in my life before. Words that come out from your heart enter the heart. It works. When a friend realizes that unlike all the other friends, they're giving them an atzat korach, they're giving them the advice of korach, they're running around and telling you, yeah, do those things, be the bad person, make those mistakes, because they're afraid, well, you know, I just, I'd rather be still invited for Shabbat dinner, I still want to get along with you in the Berkhanes, and I still, those are not real friends. Real friends are those who step up and say, listen, I have a job to do, my job is to be your friend, to be your friend, I have to tell you things the way they are, and if you can't handle that, and that's going to make you never speak to me, at least I went down trying. Say the Kadosh to the judge, when you're dealing with judgment, you have to be impartial. You have to be unbiased. How many halachot in Hichot Sanhedrin? I get so much, you know, I love the laws of Sanhedrin. So one of my favorite areas, Batei Din, There are halachot there that are meant to equate people in front of the Bedin. Certain kinds of clothing that can be worn or not be worn, or if one doesn't have enough money like the other one. And our Chachamim write, you know, nowadays the Bedin can't force somebody to follow these halachot. And if one wants to come and flaunt his wealth in front of the Bedin, and we can't stop him. At the very least, let's just let him go through a Din Torah. I remember Chaim David Halevi has a piece about this. It is book Dvar Mishpat on Sanhedrin. I always remember feeling to myself, imagine the glory of those days when a functional national Jewish system could enforce such things. Non-partisan, unbiased Jewish rulings. We should live to see such a day. Don't, again, show favoritism in judgment. It doesn't make a difference whether you accept something without any proper proof or analysis. Or whether we accept someone's words because she's a great person that can make a mistake. For sure, this person must be correct. There's no way they can make a mistake. Because he's a great person. He's a person who knows and is wise and is balanced and is knowledgeable. So of course they don't make mistakes. Not only is it not a proof that someone is great and therefore you must listen to their words, it's forbidden to accept somebody's words because of that. I was once in a conversation with a chassid, somebody who I met and was open to having an open conversation. I said, tell me something. Could your Rebbe make a mistake? No. Can your Rebbe do an Avera? No. How could Moshe Rabbeinu make a mistake? How could Moshe Rabbeinu do an Avera? And your Rebbe can't. How could it be? No answer. Avodat Zara. In modern Hebrew, Pulchan Ha'adam, worship of a human being, infallibility of human beings. Says Rabbeinu Abraham, that's not the way of the Torah. Forget intellect for a moment. The way of the Torah tells you that everything you must challenge critically, think through properly. And based on this introduction, And we owe it to the Chachamim 
we owe it to the Chachamim to learn their words in the commentaries in the Torah and the particulars of the Torah that we accept their words but we challenge them and we have an obligation to accept the words of Chachamim, to accept the things that they say. We have an obligation to follow in the ways of Chachamim. Before I get there. That they themselves were critical thinkers. And they demanded from themselves that kind of level of critical thinking skills. And therefore we have an obligation when dealing with their words, whether it's in Torah or mitzvot, or in their wisdom of the sciences and of medicine, to do the same thing to them. You see the Chachamim, the bottom of page 1. In the things that were not clear to them based on their analysis and their research, they say in Masechet Chulin, HaElohim, by God, that's the, like a, I swear, I swear. Ilu amra Yoshua benun lo tzaytele. If you, if it wasn't the fact that Yibri Yoshua benun said it, who's Yoshua benun? Stone the Moshe If he didn't say it, I would never listen. Kromar laiti maamin be. I would not believe in this. Ve'afal pishu navi, even though he's a prophet, kevan she'en biyado yecholet lohodia ha'inyan bechavana midech hasvara ve'amasa ve'matan, because Yoshua did not explain it to us or he didn't have the ability to explain it to us logically, even though he was a prophet. And in any way that the Talmud can be studied, we're thinking if it wasn't Yoshua Benun, I would never be able to accept this to be true. It's this enough. Here, Chachamim are telling us something fascinating. Who is Yoshua Benun? He's a prophet of Akhlish Baruch He's the disciple of Moshe Rabbeinu. If Moshe Rabbeinu would tell us these, if Yoshua Benun would tell us these things, we still wouldn't listen. Mechila that I mistranslated it. We have other things here. Look. This is a situation of the Gemara, if you want to look on Masechet Shabbat, page 66. That it stops certain kinds of sicknesses. I'm intentionally omitting what it's talking about. It came out that it's not true. It doesn't work. There are many things that the Chachamim told us in the wisdoms and the sciences and medicine. There are things that unfortunately we can't accept from the Chachamim in the sciences, in the wisdoms of the world, in nature. If I can add some explanation here, because those things were not given to Moshe Rabbeinu and Sinai. Our Chachamim, in the times in which they lived, used the cutting edge science, cutting edge medicine that was available to them. The Chachamim say that this can heal this and that. Maybe, and maybe not. And it doesn't make one a kofer in Torah Moshe Rabbeinu. And it won't be a proof against me that which our rabbis say. Now the text here that Rabbeinu Abraham gives us is different than what's written in front of our Talmud in the Vilna edition of the Shas. If you're hungry, eat. If you're thirsty, drink. The rabbis were giving life advice and health. Says, we don't accept this to be true as medical advice because it's from the rabbis. 
but because it became clear to us through medical research that this is true. The Gemara means to say, you shouldn't eat unless you're hungry. And you shouldn't drink unless you're thirsty. We live in a world where people are gluttonous. They, everything they do, they have to be eating while they do it. They have to be drinking while they do it. I can even say guilty as charged. There were times in my life where I wasn't always so particular, so careful. I remember taking, you know, sometimes my kids, Erev Shabbat, taking them to get a, a Slurpee from the Slurpee store. And you see these people, they kind of, I give my kids a little, little something. People come out. It's not a, it's not a cup, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a gallon size pitcher. It's, but it's insulated to keep this cold for, and people come for refills and refills and refills and refills. And he wonders, oh my God, are you drinking? You're so thirsty. Ramim tell us, you drink only when you need to drink. You eat only when you need to eat. And then when you're thirsty, don't hold off drinking. Don't deny yourself the things you need. I'm not a, a medical professional, nor am I a dietitian, nor am I in the field of medicine or health at all. But I see very often that there are people who do all kinds of crazy diets. And in my conversations with people who I trust, from Kilat Shalashamayim, from the Shiviti family, who know uh, more than I do about these topics, it pains me to see that there are people who, for the sake of losing weight, or for the sake of maintaining some kind of physique, or for the sake of whatever it is, for someone they're trying to impress, or they're willing to hurt themselves, mamash hurt themselves, hurt their bodies, hurt their souls, hurt their denying themselves food, denying themselves nutrition, eating all kinds of strange things because it gives them more calories or more, but not things that are healthy for them. And then what happens? You know, I had to deal with a halakha question not so long ago about fast days and people who have eating disorders. How it's a disease like any other disease that people hurt their body, not in judgment on them, but to realize that we sometimes dabble in things that are not good for us. Chachamim are giving us balanced medical advice, says Rabbeinu Abraham, not things that they gave us from Moshe Rabbeinu Sinai, but things that we even know are true based on medicine. Now I can translate what was said before. And that when a person reaches a place where there's waste in their body, they should let it go. That if a person needs to go to the bathroom, they should go to the bathroom and not hold back. I remember when I was living in Yerushalayim, I once uh, passed by two Magavnikim. Magavnikim are border patrol agents. And they were given a post in a random corner of a street in the old city to stand there. I recall it was an eight-hour shift. If it's inaccurate what I'm remembering or it's against... Israeli protocol, then I made a mistake, not them. But I remember they were standing there. I would, we would, I would come visit them at Shabbatot, bring them water, bring them food. They weren't allowed to leave their post. Of course, they're soldiers. I said, what about the bathroom? We hold it in. What if you need to go? We hold it in. What if you really, we hold it in, we make it our pants, we don't move. It's a very dangerous thing. For a person to deny their body the things their body needs you know what I'm speaking about now is a halakha also, But people, Hamashen Kavav, the person who holds back from using the restroom, not just as prohibited according to halakha, but he damages himself. He hurts himself. The person who doesn't need to go to the bathroom and also goes to the bathroom, it's a different problem. So make a bracha, who created a person with wisdom, with holes, with openings, with entrances, things that need to close when they need to be closed, and they need to open when they need to be open. It's something we pray for. That everything from our head to our toes should function properly, Bezal Hashem. It's a serious matter. Hen Bahalacha and Hen Bimtiyut, in reality of medicine. And continues Rabbeinu Abba Menachem. Namin la'aristo rak bidvarav shabar b'mofet. I don't know if I want to get into this today. Give me one moment.
Aristotle was very beloved in the family of the Rambam. In fact, so much so that people wrote about him that he was the cursed Aristotle, the, the cursed Greek philosophy that led the Rambam off the path. So much so that recently I heard a Tamikham who I respect dearly say some pretty terrible things about the Rambam because of his affinity towards the logic of Aristotle. You know me that I'm not a philosopher, it's not where I dabble most of my life, but this is the reality. Just like when it comes to the Chachamim and they tell us things about the world that were not given to them directly from Moshe Rabbeinu, that you accept or deny things based on logic, the same you have to do with the sciences in the world as well. There are people whose religion is what a doctor will say. Or what a, you know, recently with these... I don't know if I should share what I want to share. I'm going to hold my thought to myself. <clears throat> this is one of those moments where I would say, Baruch, can you turn off the camera? I want to say something. But Baruch will turn off the camera later and uh, we'll, we'll get to that afterwards. If someone wants to remind me at the end of the shiul, I will share this after the shiul. We shouldn't say about Aristotle. Because he's the master of all the philosophers. And he came to real understandings about HaKadosh Baruch that he met things that are true, that Aristotle came to real reality. By the way, even the Mekubalim, which you wouldn't think are always hanging out with Aristotle. Rabbi Yaakov Kuli in his Mamloes uh, has an interesting piece about Aristotle and that he reached Kabbalistic insights of the world. Whatever it is, we believe that Aristotle understood things that are very true. True understandings of the Borit Barach. But just because he reached truth in some places, we won't make the mistake that he also knew the truth about the age of the universe. And the things which he said that the Kadosh Baruch Hu does not know about individual details or just because he was correct in some things doesn't mean that we must say he's correct in everything. You don't have to be an Aristotelian Hasid to accept some things from him are true and some things are not. And not, God forbid, to denigrate him and to say, because he made a mistake in these understandings of HaKadosh Baruch that everything he said is incorrect. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but also don't drown in the bathwater. A person has to remain a level head, a balanced head, throughout their learning, to always leave their head on. How many times have I appealed to screaming Turn your heads on. Stop getting confused with what you see, with what you've seen done. Think with your head. You have to learn with, with intelligence. Even when you study the words of the philosophers. But we must. And every wise and intelligent person. To examine, analyze every saying, every opinion. In the way that, that you must analyze everything. And to verify, and to, to establish, what that which is true, accept. And to get rid of whatever you can't accept. Because it's incorrect. And restrain yourself from ruling like one opinion over the other if there's no proof in either direction. The verdict is still out. I don't know. There's two opinions. They both have uh, scientific arguments. They both have halachic proofs. They both have whatever topic it is you're dealing with. There's yesh lehem shachar. Both of them uh, have truth to them. So I can't, I can't decide like one over the other. You don't have to be partisan on every issue in the world. Somebody can say, listen, if you go like this, what does the Gemara say? Man David kemar, Avid, man David kemar. You go like this opinion, you go like that opinion. Either way, you're doing something right. You might also either way be doing something wrong. Stick your head only in things that you can determine logically are true or not. And things that are not factual, stay away from them. Throw them away. Don't throw a person away because of mistakes. But don't follow a person because of things they've done correctly. So this, this piece here, this piece has to be shared to the whole Jewish community. There's so many things right now, right now, today, yesterday, tomorrow, that these are crucial in understanding not just Judaism, but living a healthy life in the world. One has to have this dat, a dat of a, of a son of the Rambam. Whoever says it, like our rabbis say, 
אם הלכה נקבל, ואם לדין יש תשובה. הרבי also thought critically in the Talmud, ובמסך הדיבה מאוד. If it's the halakha, we'll accept it. And if not, not. וכן הם עושים במה שלא הוכרע אחד משני הפכים. And this is what our rabbis do whenever there's no proof in either direction. שמעמידים אותם, אותו באומרם בו, when they say, like in מסכת שבת, תיקו. It's a teku. What's a teku? In Israel today, the tie. Like, you know, when two sports teams are playing a game, two soccer teams, and they have a four versus four, teku. It's a tie. Teku is, and there's those that tishbi, taretz, kushot, ubayot, Eliyahu and Avi will come answer questions. I didn't stick my head here. Teku in the words of Rechachamim means, we don't know. We don't know. There's two solid proofs, or either option is not good enough, we're staying out. Vechuzrim lehem midat shitamet lehem. And there are times where Chachamim even take back, retract things that they previously said, when they realized that what they said was incorrect. In many different places, like Masechah Ta'anit, Rabbi so-and-so retracted his opinion because he realized he was wrong. The Chachamim took back their words to rule like Bet Shammai, it's a Mishnah, Masechah Eduyot. When the Chachamim realized that things had no way to determine one side or the other, they stayed away. Chachamim, smart people, don't get themselves involved in problems. What do they say? A smart person is one who can get himself out of problems that the wise person would have never gotten himself into in the first place. A wise person doesn't stick his head in things that are vague. You know how much misinformation is spread in the world today? How many things people share, that they send me, they send you, that you see posted on social media, in the news, in, the, uh, in books of Torah, and you bring, well, it says, everything that it says, you're going to accept. You know, it's easy to print books. Even I can print books nowadays. Everybody can become a publisher today. Everybody can write a post or a news website or an article. So because it's written and it's published, you're going to believe it. What happened to your sechel? What happened to the only thing about you, which is human, says Rabbeinu Harambam in the introduction of the Shemona Prakim, in the introduction to Perkei Avot. The only thing that sets us apart from an animal is our brain. The only part that we have that's ours is our mind. You have to throw away your mind because you saw authoritative. What's authoritative? Did you analyze it properly? Did you look at it properly? How many people say, you know, my rabbi said... I'm never going to tell you against you, Rabbi. But in the Bede Midrash, you can't argue with something that's logical with my Rabbi said. Out of the Bede Midrash, you do whatever you want. I'm not, here, I'm not fighting with people on the street. But in the Bede Midrash, how could you say, my Rabbi said, your Rabbi has to follow Shukhan also. Your Rabbi is obedient to the Talmud also. Your Rabbi can't just take the Rambam and throw it in the trash, the Talmud thrown in the trash. So when you make a decision against that, oh, my Rabbi said, You're violating human intellect and the Torah. You have no right. It's not a proof. How much misinformation we could spread in the world. Sometimes I look at uh, evolutions of Judaism. The way things have moved forward in time, and I say, if somebody would have stopped this snowball a thousand years ago, we would never be in this place today. But someone shared and nobody protested, and then it became, it became and a little thing became an elephant that we are now suffering from. When I hear this, I can share. There's a famous uh, rabbi who got on the internet recently and shared a cure for a famous disease. I'm not staying out of details. You put a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of ginger, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's going to heal all the diseases. And he put out a video. He said, trust me, it works. It's a guarantee. And by the way, just for the record, The Yemenites, we drink this all the time. It's called khwaj. Khwaj you add into your tea. It makes it a little bit spicy. It's nothing novel. But okay, this was a, basically, you make your own homemade khwaj with this amount of water, this amount of teaspoons of this, and it will save you from all the diseases. I saw this three days ago. Yesterday already, people are quoting to me that it's from the Zohar. Today in the morning, I woke up to two different videos, one in English, one in Hebrew, explaining to me the... It's step by step. You have videos and images and this spice from this company and this thing. Uh, step by step instructions how to make this own medicine at home. And mamash, before I came here, already from Christians, I'm getting this message that there's a secret in the Zohar. Uh, the Zohar. I'm not talking now about the Zohar, true or not. 
This is not in the Zohar. It's in the rabbi's class. It happened three days ago. There's a secret in the Jewish Zohar how to cure diseases all over the world. And now it's a cure for the disease that the world is facing. You understand how this works? It's a snowball. That's three days. Imagine in a year from now, you're going to send the shield. Come on. You can't cure this disease with that. They're going to laugh at you. What do you mean? It's proven science. I said, from who proved it? It's published in a peer-reviewed medical journal. I don't understand. But there are people who from youth have been trained, don't turn on your brain. Don't turn on your mind. Accept everything you hear is true. What about the words of Chachamim? The words of Chachamim are serious. The words of Chachamim are true. So what's Rabbeinu Abraham's point? To tell you not to believe in the Chachamim? By the way, in the sciences, Rabbeinu Abraham very well may have believed that in the words of the... It makes sense to believe such a thing. The last rabbi who said that got burned in public. Figuratively. It makes sense to say that Moshe Rabbeinu gave our rabbis Kabbalah, a tradition in matters of halakha, in matters of Torah, in matters of interpretation of the Torah. Did he give them all the cures for all the illnesses in the world? Did he give them measurements of the sun and the moon and the earth and the stars? I don't know. Rabbeinu Abraham seems to think not. And if something that you know to be a fact goes against something the Chagamim said in the Talmud, it's very easy, you don't have to lose your faith in the Chachamim and say, this was not something they received by Kabbalah. Hare Rashi himself. In Masechet Sanhedrin, said in laws of Mashiach, that when it comes to Mashiach, Chachamim had no Kabbalah. All these things you see in the Gemara, he'll be born here, he'll be born there, he'll be on this day, on this time, on this place, the world will look like this, the world happened there. It says Rashi, they have no Kabbalah. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't teach them these things. Rather, the Chachamim went to the words of the Nevi'im, of the prophets, and they came out to their own conclusions. And the Ramam writes in Mishneh Torah, and we don't know what's going to be at the end of time, and we'll just wait to see what happens, and however it happens, is how it will happen. And if some of the Chachamim will be wrong, it doesn't mean the Chachamim were wrong, it means that they were incorrect about this statement, and that in general, they don't have a Kabbalah in this matter. They don't have a tradition in this matter. And this leads to the opposite of what people think. This doesn't lead people to deviate from the words of Chachamim, this leads people to where the Rabbeinu Abraham is trying to lead us to. And that is, to know how to learn the words of Chachamim properly. So you don't reach a place where you say them in such a simplistic, superficial, juvenile fashion that intelligent thinking people will reject the words of Chachamim. But rather that you know to understand the depth, call it secrets if you wish. The real inner meaning behind the words of the Chachamim that make those words niflaot mitoratecha wonders of your Torah. Bizarre Hashem, we'll study the next part the next week here in the Bit of Knesset.